0: Wisconsin does not have a signature win. That win over Michigan State on Christmas Day was important at the time. A lot has changed since Christmas Day. We got a new president. Mr. Potato Head is no longer a mister like that That was, was a while ago.
1: This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills.
0: I usually update my show intro every week. You know, a funny moment from the show or, you know, a statement that I just really hammered. You know, a a highlight. normally update it once a week to keep it fresh. And I was going to update it today, and then I was like, wait a minute. The Badgers still haven't gotten that signature win. They lost again this weekend. Five of six now they've lost. Eight straight ranked opponents. I don't need to update my intro. They still, when they get a signature win, I'll update my intro. How does that sound? So we're gonna continue to we're gonna continue to use this intro until the badgers get a signature win. Maybe it'll maybe it'll send some good juice their way or some good mojo. I don't know. What else do we have left to try? They just keep losing. I Wanna talk about that game. I wanna talk about the All-Star game. It's All-Star Weekend for the NBA. It was a little different, but a couple of fun takeaways that I had last night. I wanna talk about a game that saw Giannis win the Kobe Bryant MVP Award. For the All-Star Game, which isn't really that meaningful. But I think it's meaningful for Bucks fans. We don't have to treat it like it's the MVP of which Giannis has won the last two. So, you know, another award on the pile for Giannis. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the Brewers as well. They won today in maybe the most entertaining spring training game possible. They won 10-9. A lot of home runs. And it's the game that Brandon Woodruff started. You wouldn't expect a game like that to be such high scoring. Brewers also didn't start most of their studs. So I want to talk a little bit about that and i have a packers take at uh, at 5:30 that i'm really excited to talk about it deals with the defense and with secondary play especially the secondary outside of Jair Alexander and how the packers should best build it up so i'll share that with you coming up at 5:30 it's the wisco sports show my name is grant bills on twitter at wisco grant and you know what i hope you had a banging weekend i hope it was great i feel like a million bucks today and i'm a little sunburned because on Saturday I got out and fly fished for like six hours. I didn't catch a dang thing, and I'm a little ashamed of it. Because I found some awesome honey holes, and the fish were biting. I had bites, but I, I couldn't convert. I could I couldn't I could here's what I couldn't do. Like the Packers defense, I couldn't get off the field on third down when I had opportunities to get off the field and, and put a fish in the net. I couldn't do it. It was a beautiful day. Enjoyed myself on Saturday, and then yesterday uh, I worked a little bit. But then I also spent a couple of hours out on beautiful Lake on Alaska in the sunshine. Probably my last ice fishing day of the year. And it was beautiful. Caught some nice fish. And it was great to see, by the way, members of our community getting after it and getting out on the lake yesterday. That was a good look. This is probably the last weekend we're going to be able to ice fish. So I had an awesome weekend. And, of course, I watched some sports in there as well. The Badgers and the All-Star game. And I hope you are uh, feeling good and ready to tackle this week because we're going to have a lot of tough topics we got to get to. Over the course of the next five days. So I hope you're well rested. Talk uh, Badgers coming up in about 15. Talk Packers coming up in 20. Your opinions are welcome if you want to send me a text on the Talk and Text line. 608 796 2558. Thomas texts in. He's signed up for our bracket challenge. Wise of you, Thomas. Wise of you. And I appreciate you listening and hanging out. 608 796 2558. And once again, Twitter at Wisco Grant if you want to get involved that way too. This was All-Star Weekend for the NBA. It happens but once a year, so why don't we start with that? The Bucs don't play again until Thursday, so let's get our Bucks conversation in here. We'll talk about the NBA, we'll talk about Giannis, and then we'll, for the next couple of days, probably do a lot of Brewers, a lot of Badgers, and a little bit of Packers as well. I want to talk about the game last night. I want to talk about the weekend as a whole, and I want to talk about Giannis. Here's what I don't want to do. So if you're reaching for your phone and you're about to call or text, and here's, here's what I don't want to do. Although, if you want to text, you can text whatever you'd like. <laughs> but here's what I don't really want to do. I don't want to ask you if you watch the All-Star game, what'd you think of the All-Star game? Do you like the All-Star game? What's the best sport for the All-Star game? What would you change about the All-Star game? We all like different things, okay? We all have our own reasons for watching what we watch and liking what we like. If you really like the baseball All-Star game, but you hate the Pro Bowl and you hate the NBA, great. That's, that's your brandom or brand of sports fandom. That's your brandom. We just created a new word accidentally. That's your thing. And power to you. If you hate all the all-star games and you boycott them on principle, hey, high five. That's excellent. That's awesome. That's your unique fandom. I give them all a chance. Maybe I watch the whole thing. Maybe I don't. Probably I do, mostly for the sake of the show. doesn't mean I enjoy them. I didn't love every moment of the All Star game last night, but not because it wasn't any good. I thought the the game was fine. It wasn't close, but I thought the game was fine. I just wasn't in the right headspace yesterday because I said I fished out in the sun all day, got a little sunburned, windburned, and I was very dehydrated because we didn't plan very well. We didn't take any water with us out on the lake. We walked like almost a mile out under the ice. Lake on Alaska is huge, so there's a lot of a lot of ground we got to cover, a lot of hard water to to cover in search of. You know, some nice big perch, which we eventually found, but we didn't bring any water. We just, we brought a bunch of honey vise, which is delicious, but I was feeling like a piece of chewed gum by the time I got back to my apartment last night and I was hoping for a quick game and then I could get in bed and sleep for like 13 hours because I wanted to feel well rested. I don't like being tired going into a Monday and the game took forever. And they had, like, musical performances in between the quarters. And they had the dunk contest at halftime, which I completely forgot about. I completely forgot about the dunk contest. And this is what I did. Right when the second quarter ended, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go shower. I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to get ready for bed because I want to be able to go to bed right when the game is over. And this is what I do for Sunday night football and Monday night and Thursday night football, too. At halftime, I normally, you know, get ready for bed, put my pajamas on. So then I can just go right to bed when the game is done and get a great night's sleep. So I tried to pull that maneuver last night thinking I wouldn't miss anything other than Chuck and Shaq trying to guess where certain players play at halftime. And I missed most of the dunk contest. But I don't – it wasn't great. I rewatched some of it. And I'm like this – I, you know what? I it's, it's okay that I took a shower and brushed my teeth instead of watching this because nobody knew who was in it. The only player I really knew was Anthony Simons who's a young, I guess, kind of exciting player for Portland. They need big name players in the dunk contest. They need to get Zion or Giannis or I don't know who from the Raptors. Like OG Ananobi's got bounce. Let's get him in there. We don't need AA plus players, but we need we need players with at least an ounce of name recognition. We need somebody. I don't care if said G-leaguer can jump out of the gym. I would rather watch a player than I know. So we need to... We need to tweak how the dunk contest works. I don't know how we incentivize players to do it. I think it's an attitude thing. All these players think they're too cool for the dunk contest, which is, it's their prerogative. They're the superstar millionaire player. They can make their own choices. I wish that everybody didn't feel too cool to do the dunk contest because I think it'd be a lot better with big names. But there you go. That's my, it's my take of the day. My yell at a cloud take of the day. Despite being really exhausted last night, there were parts of this game that I enjoyed and it wasn't close. Team LeBron ended up winning by 20 points, 170 to 150, a relatively low-scoring All-Star game, I think. A couple things I enjoyed watching. I just liked watching LeBron's team because it was so good. Steph, Luka, Giannis, LeBron, and Jokic. It's like a blacktop game in 2K, where you just draft like your four or five favorite NBA players and you just go. That's a really good team, and it was fun to watch them on the floor at the same time. I really like watching Steph because it's really fun to watch Steph Curry in a normal game. If you put him in a no consequences fun game, it's just a joy to watch him because he'll pull up from the logo and hit, which he could do in a regular season game and he has done, but it's not as acceptable. Like you can't just randomly pull up from half court in a regular season game, but in the all-star game, all the rules are off the table. So you can throw behind the back passes and you can, you know, you can mess around. And it's fun because the all-star game is for fun. And it's really fun to watch Steph in a setting like that. Dame, Damian Lillard, much of the same. Or Damon Lilliam is Marv Albert's senile rear end said. Just pulling up from the logo. That's fun to watch. I'll watch an all-star game if it's Steph and Dame Lillard trading shots. For the- Here's what we should do. Next year, have like a logo shoot-off put Damon's stuff out on the floor and both have him pull from half court and see who can make his most shots. Like, that'd be fun. It's kind of what happened in the All-Star game. I really liked last night watching James Harden beef with other NBA players because in the most enthusiastic, carefree setting the entire year the league has, which is the All-Star game, James Harden still finds a way to not get along with certain players like Giannis, who gets along with everyone, and Chris Paul, who's a little bit prickly, but Most people like Chris Paul. He's really well-respected, and Chris Paul was trying to strip Harden, and Giannis is picking up Harden full court, and it's it's just funny because players really don't like him, and I just get a kick out of it. It was fun watching Giannis play with other stars, and we were able to enjoy watching Giannis play with other stars because he is under contract for the next couple of years. If Giannis is set to be a free agent at the end of the season and he hadn't have signed that Supermax extension, do you know how miserable last night would have went? That would have been the story of the night. Oh, it's interesting seeing Giannis and Steph play together. Got to wonder if we'll see more of that in the coming year. Some, I don't know. It was like a Mike Greenberg transition. It was fun to watch Giannis play with Steph and LeBron and Jokic because he's a buck He's all about, I mean, what he said last night after winning the MVP. Like, he is Mr. Milwaukee right now. I'm very content with Giannis's place in the NBA landscape because of that. Milwaukee, this is for you. <laughs> that, I just got to kick Milwaukee, out. Milwaukee, this is for you. <laughs> Milwaukee. I, yeah, I love Giannis. Last night was so much more enjoyable knowing that he's under contract and we don't have to deal with this max extension hanging over all of our heads. Made last night a lot more enjoyable. I wish the Packers could follow suit and stop losing in the NFC Championship game so I could actually enjoy a Super Bowl, too. But, you know, we'll deal with that when, you know, we deal with that. The end of the game last night. I wanted to ask you about this and kind of throw this out into the air. And maybe this is something that we talk about if sports ever shut down again or we'll put this in our back pocket for the the baseball All-Star break. The NBA does this thing in the All-Star game called an Elam ending, which is where there's no clock in the fourth quarter. There's a target score. First team to last night it was 170 for example wins and it's not e lim that's what I thought at first like elimination ending it was created by Nick e Lam e Lam which is a little bit it's a little bit uh, confusing because it sounds like e lim but this is something they started last year and some fans want to see it in real games it's fun it's different it's interesting but I, I I don't really know if the Elam ending fixes any problems that we have. We talked about the Badgers about a half hour ago, and we're going to talk about them more in about 10 minutes, about how these reviews just mess up the games at the end, and they suck the momentum out of the gym, and it takes forever. I don't know that the Elam ending solves that problem. I I just, like, teams are still going to take all their timeouts. They're still going to foul to save possessions, right? They're still going to want everything reviewed because we want to get the calls right, no matter how the game is being decided, I don't know that the Elam ending solves any of these officiating problems, but it's interesting. I think adding that to regular season games really, really will like change how the game is is played at the end. It would change the feel completely. And I don't know if I'm down for such a drastic change. If there was a one European style rule... And I say European in quotes because, it's Nick, the Elam ending, it's not a European thing, but it's like a drastic rule change that's kind of outside the culture of our American sports leagues. If we were to add a European-style rule to one of our leagues, I want relegation, and I want it in baseball. Because if the Mariners aren't going to spend, or the Brewers aren't going to spend, or the Twins aren't going to spend, there should be consequences, like in the Premier League, if you're not good to a certain level, you don't get to play with the big boys. You don't get to be on national TV and you don't get to you don't get to print money and have a terrible team like the Mariners have been doing or like the Twins or the Brewers have done at times. If you don't field a good enough team, you're getting relegated. I think that would be a fascinating wrinkle to Major League Baseball and it might just solve the problem of all of these teams just kind of mailing it in and collecting money. But we can talk about that at a different time. But the Elam ending is intriguing. Specific to Wisconsin and specific to the Bucks, Giannis was—I mean, he was perfect last night. He finished 16 of 16 with 35 points. And I mean, to be fair, Giannis's game is kind of perfect for an All-Star setting, right? Nobody's really trying that hard, and no one's playing defense. Who's stepping in front of Giannis to contest a dunk? I—I I wouldn't. Nobody was. Like Rudy Gobert, the one solid defensive center other than Embiid, although he was out too. Rudy Gobert was on Giannis's team. No one's contesting him. So 16 of 16, well, of course, when a 10, 11 of your shots are dunks, yeah, you're going to go 16 for 16, but Giannis also hit a couple of threes, including two that were banked. And Giannis reacted to these makes like a little kid. He was just smiling. He was loving life. Giannis's game is perfect for the All-Star game in the sense that he can go 16 of 16 without really that much effort. But his personality and his smile is perfect for the All-Star game because Giannis isn't too cool for school. He's not too good for enjoying the All-Star game. And he talked about this last night in his post-game presser. Eric Name asked about it. Like, you're just having fun, man. You have your son Liam at the game, and you're, you're just enjoying yourself. And Giannis talked about that. It's a great feeling. Uh, having Liam come
1: watch me play in first All-Star game, uh, and being able to... Uh, Play good, it, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. But at, at the end of the day, you know, I just want uh, Liam to see somebody that's having fun, somebody that's, you know, plays with joy, you know, enjoy what he does. And uh, I really do not care about the outcome, uh, but that's what I want him to see. I, that's what I want him to grow into, you know, and uh, always about uh, the, the chain. so wherever I go, I always have my dad. And then he was my, in my first All Star game. Uh, but uh, physically, but uh, he's always with me. You know, the four or games after that, he was he's always with me, and I uh, was um, trying to represent him. And, you
0: know, Thank you. Thank you is. You. Okay, okay. So Jan is talking about Kobe there too. Can I just a really quick aside, please, please God, could B reporters just learn how to mute their Zoom room? Like that's unlistenable. I can barely hear him. It's so easy. It's so e- it's not even funny how easy it is to just click the mute button on your phone. I remember last year I sent an email to the Milwaukee Brewers to their PR person at the time, and I think I think it's changed. I think he either left the Brewers or he's in a different role. And I emailed and said, "Hey, I host a show, and I would really love." access to these interviews. I want to hear the interview with Craig Council every day. Like, I, I want this for my show. This would be great for my show. And he emailed me back and he said, hey, well, here's the thing with COVID, you know, we're really limiting who we allow into these things. And so he kind of said no politely. And a year later, I'm looking back. I was like, are you kidding me? You're giving press availability to these idiots who can't mute their like, they are just having conversations during a press conference. I'm trying to hear Giannis talk about his friend, Kobe Bryant, who passed away. He's now won the MVP award that was named after Kobe Bryant, obviously the Kobe Bryant Award. And I can't hear it because some bumblebutt in Cleveland just can't press the mute button on his iPhone. How long? We've been doing this for over a year. We've been Zooming now for a year. Stop being idiots, please. You're ruining this for everyone else. You're ruining this for radio people who are trying to... Have nice personable audio for their show. Please and thank you. Next time we have Zach Heilpern on, who is in every press availability of every game ever. I'm gonna ask him about this. And maybe I can maybe I can get him going on a rant. That'd be pretty funny. He'd be like, oh Grant, I'm glad you asked. And then he <laughs> he puts half the B reporters in the state on blast, and then my show gets in trouble and no one wants to be a guest. And wouldn't that be great? I wanna continue speaking of Zach Heilpern. I want to talk about the Badgers. Greg Gard and the mess that was the final 20 seconds of yesterday's game. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Thanks for hanging out. Hope your week is off to a good start. My name is Grant Bills on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Talking basketball, but we're gonna change gears coming up in about 10 minutes, because I wanna switch over to the Packers. I got a text from Ebo over the break. And this is the thing, Ebo doesn't use the talk and text line like the rest of us. When Ebo feels the need to interject, he texts me personally. How pretentious is that, right? He texted me and said, Well actually I wanna <laughs> I kinda wanna read it word for word. He's heated," he said. "My God, let me know right before you talk about Giannis winning the MVP of that meaningless All-Star game, so I can suck on the exhaust out of my tailpipe." Yeah, Ebo's not a NBA regular season guy. I guess Ebo's not an All-Star guy either, which we will talk about when I join him tomorrow morning on the Zone at uh, at seven forty. Ebo, I appreciate you chiming in as always. Now, if you're not like Ebo. And you don't have my personal cell number, 608 796 2558. We have a text from Thomas. I appreciate you being a part of the show. Jamie in Menominee. Jamie, nice to hear from you. And I appreciate you listening. I hope you're doing well. Uh, I'm sorry, but I, I'm about to ruin all of your evenings because we have to talk about the Badgers. Although I'm actually interested in the Badgers now. I haven't been for weeks because they've been, well, they've been bad. They've lost five of six. They've lost eight in a row to ranked opponents, and there really hasn't been anything interesting to talk about. Now there is. Now, they lost yesterday, and, like, the the quality of play hasn't changed. They lost yesterday the same way they've lost all these other games. They take way too many threes and miss way too many threes. They shot 38% from three yesterday, but they had to miss 21 threes to do it. Like, if you finish 34, uh, or it would be 13 of 34— yeah, that's a respectable 38, 39%, but you're giving away 21 free possessions with those missed three points. You, you're, you're not driving the paint. You're not putting pressure on the defense. You're not involving the referees at all. You're just giving away possessions. If you need to shoot 34 threes to make them a 38, 39% clip, that, that's not good enough. And they couldn't execute at the end and they couldn't get crucial offensive rebounds. Like this is the same Badgers game we've watched for weeks, except this game had a little extra drama between the officiating at the end and the treatment of Badger senior Brad Davison. Greg Gard talked a little bit about this, about the officiating and the way that Greg Gard or excuse me, Brad Davison specifically is officiated. This is from after the game. The
1: um, mockery that has now been made of the hook and hold or any type of thing. And it, it, it appears to be have become a Brad Davison rule where uh, it's become quite frankly, a joke. Um, anytime there's a foul or a question, the opponents are yelling to the, the officials about the monitor uh, to go to the monitor. I saw the play. If college basketball is headed in this direction, we're, we're in big trouble. Um, it really it sickens me that we have games decided like this, and this is where it's at. That, that rule was not put in place for that. That was for safety of players. That was for post-play. Those type of things happen on every single possession of the game. Specifically in the post, so I think it's really turned into a joke. Uh, I feel bad for Brad Davison. The kid's a great kid, plays his ass off, um, but he continues to get screwed by by this and and how the officials and and the league and opponents have com- continued to just call that out and, and spotlight, put a spotlight on that, and deaden the ball. And um, it, it's really it's become sickening. Really, uh, it's made a mockery of, of college basketball, specifically in the in the positions we've been in.
0: Greg Gard talking about Brad Davison. The reviews stink. I'm not arguing that. The final minute of yesterday's game, so the final 60 seconds of the game, took real-time 19 minutes and 10 seconds. That's brutal. No one likes it. It sucks. But what what, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to accomplish in this moment on this show? What do you want me to say? That I hate it and there needs to be sweeping changes and the officials need to be held accountable and why are they never held accountable? And and what is the NCAA doing about this? They're not doing anything. They're sitting on their hands. We're not solving this problem tonight. And it sucks. But it happens every once in a while. It happened with the Celtics-Pelicans game a couple of weeks ago. Sometimes the stars align and the end of the game really sucks. And it it stinks. And we'll see if it happens in March Madness or if they go about it a little differently. I don't know. I hope this isn't what March Madness is like. And if it is, then we have a really legit problem and we'll spend more time on it. But yesterday was one game. And it's, it's not that I enjoyed the slow ending. I'm not defending the way this game was refereed. It's just... I don't know. Our team lost yesterday. <laughs> it stinks that it was officiated that way, but I what are we going to do about it? How do you fix it? I don't know. Different conversation for a different time. I do want to spend time, a couple of minutes, talking about Greg Gard and what he said about Brad Davison, about how officials seemingly never give Brad Davison the benefit of the doubt, whether it be on block charge calls or those hook and hold calls that are flagrant, meaning the opposition, in yesterday's case, Iowa gets free throws and possession, which is huge in the closing minute of a game, that hook and hold call was put into place for a reason. And it's not being applied for that reason. We're getting away from the spirit of the hook and hold rule. And what really bothers me, put Brad Davidson's character and his reputation to the side for a second. What really bothers me is you have benches, players and coaches who are impacting the game because they'll call out for a review. They'll say, hey, you got to look at that. You got to look at that. And the officials will look at it. We have enough review already. Some of that review is necessary, as much as I hate it, to get the call right. Do you want the right call, or do you want the game to wrap up quickly? Because you can't have it both ways, at least not the way that it's set up. I can swallow a review or two if they're quick and efficient about it. I don't want to go looking for extra reviews because Fran McCaffrey and Tom, Dick, and Harry sitting on his bench yell enough to get the official's attention. That's no, no. That, that I will get mad about. That I will condemn. The rest of the officiating, sometimes it's a way of life, as much as I hate to admit it. It sucks, but it's a way of life. Fran McCaffrey and company creating reviews where reviews don't exist. That's what we can curb, and I think Greg Gard was talking about that. Now, the way that Brad Davison is perceived, ooh, that's a whole other can of worms, because he definitely got a reputation early in his career when it was the Nigel Hayes Badgers, like when he was the young when he had a bad shoulder for a year. Remember, remember those badgers? And we were all impressed by his grit. Yeah, he liked to flop for some calls. Who doesn't? Okay, he swung in between a couple of guys' legs. Okay, that happens. Not saying it's okay, but it happens. It happened with Draymond Green, and Draymond everybody loves Draymond Green. Oh, he keeps it real, man. Yeah, he also he also shin kicked Steven Adams right in his nards. But we got over it, because that's how sports work. We haven't really gotten over it with Brad Davison. I'm not saying that's fair or not fair. I don't know if he has earned this reputation to this extent. He made some bad plays early in his career, and people are no doubt going to remember that. But I don't think he's on the level of Grayson Allen. And people want to hold him on that level. Greg Gard referenced ESPN. Anytime ESPN has a game... These announcers are laying into Brad Davison, and they have graphics and videos ready to go to seemingly slander this guy. And I don't think that's fair. I don't think he's deserved it to that extent. And Brad Davison and, and Greg Gard talked about that post game. It's like, yeah, these guys, like, they're picking on me. They're, it's slander, essentially, on the broadcast, whether you agree with it or not. I don't know. This is a conversation that we got to spend some more time on. Right now, I'll be honest, I don't want to spend any more time on it. I want to talk about Packers. So let's do that coming up next. My name is Grant Bills. The talk and text line, if you'd like to text in, 608 796 2558. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. I hope your week is off to a wonderful start. You can join the show if you'd like by text 608-796-2558. It's the talking text line. The T-A-T-L. I don't think that's going to catch on. We've tried it for a couple of weeks. We got to go back to the drawing board. Twitter at Wisco Grant if you're on Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, stay the heck away. But if you're already trapped and you're on Twitter, you might as well follow me. At Wisco Grant. This next segment, I am uh, I'm, I'm very excited for. In a sense, th- this is me calling my shot before we begin this, uh, this Packers conversation. I think this is, I think I'm about to make some excellent points. That's what I'm saying. Not to be cocky, but I think this is a fascinating discussion. We didn't talk hardly any Packers at all last week. We heard a little bit from Goody and Joe Barry, I guess. We played some clips from the press conference and we talked about a couple of things and Joe Barry's good communicator. Told a story about ice fishing. He didn't catch anything, uh, but you know he spun that into a, a story of, of persistence and embracing Midwest culture. And okay, I see what you're doing, Joe Barry. Well done. Brian Gutikin said nothing is always because GMs never do, especially ones that graduate from a prestigious university like the University of Wisconsin La Crosse. Typically, know to keep their cards close to the vest good education, good head on his shoulders, that Brian Gudekinst. We're we're in such a weird NFL middle ground right now. We're waiting on free agency. We're waiting on the draft. And I guess also we're waiting on the salary cap, which blow this blows my mind. How do we not know what the salary cap is? Ian Rappaport tweeted earlier today. Storyline to follow going forward if the official salary cap number doesn't come today and soon NFL will have to move back the deadline to franchise tag players from Tuesday. It's a situation several GMs are bracing for and would further stall business for a bit. I, I, this is so weird. I'm not a financial mind. I'm not good with, I don't know, treasury things and interest rates. It goes over my head. And I'm, I I. would try to fake it and talk out of my butt, but I, I can't. I don't understand how this works. How does the league not, are we waiting on TV numbers? Like, where does this magical number come from, and why does it take so long to find? This is so bizarre. But then again, these things typically go over my head, and that's fine. I'll, I'll take an L that way. I don't need to understand it. The cap has increased $11 million the last few seasons, each of the last few seasons. So the idea that it's going to drop and drop substantially is a huge, huge stick in the wheel of the way that general managers and NFL front offices typically operate. So it's going to be interesting, if nothing else. And that's basically what Ian Rappaport said. It's like, well, maybe this gets pushed back a couple days. So teams have a couple of more days to ponder and to hold on to players that they might be planning to cut. I don't really want to talk about the salary cap today. And Bill Michaels did like three hours on Aaron Rodgers restructuring his contract today. So I I, I don't think we need to talk about that. I want to talk about one specific position. I want to talk about cornerback. Not quarterback. I want to talk about cornerback. Jair Alexander, Kevin King, Sam Shields, that Al Harris Back in the day, that cornerback. I want to talk about that. Think back like a year ago, before the 2020 season started. The Packers were in a great spot at corner. They had Jair Alexander on one side, who at the time appeared to be an ascending player, an ascending star. Turned out to be the case. He was great this last year. They had Kevin King on the other side, a former second-round pick who was finally healthy and playing consistent ball. Packers are doing good. They had it made. Now, sure, the depth wasn't amazing, but... Like, when you consider that a couple of years ago, the Packers were starting Ladarius Gunter, and at one point, they were starting Quentin Rollins and Demarius Randall. Okay, Kevin King and Jair, we can start there. We'll figure out depth. At least you have two great starting corners, and they played great last year, at least until, you know, Kevin King in the NFC Championship game. Now, fast forward now, a year later. It's basically just Jair. Whether or not they bring back Kevin King, you don't feel great about it because his value dropped big time after that NFC Championship game, understandably. Chandon Sullivan doesn't seem nearly as good now as he seemed a year ago. Chandon Sullivan is the type of player that's a good depth player and that plays well against poor opponents, but in the big games really can become a liability, and we saw that against Tampa. They're like, where's Chandon Sullivan? We're gonna throw at him. What what would be a good comparison? Who plays really well against bad teams but not good at Is he the Eric Bledsoe of the Packers secondary? Is the, I think that's a pretty good comparison, yeah. He doesn't seem nearly as good now as he did a year ago, which is, I guess, the case of Eric Bledsoe, too. So the Packers have work to do at corner. And everyone has their own game plan on how to do this. Some people want the Packers to draft a corner, and dragging my feet, I actually looked up dra- draft prospects today. Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech, or Patrick certain the second from Alabama. I hope I'm Saying that correctly, it looks like curtain. So I'm taking a guess and hoping that I'm right. Asante Samuel Jr. is another uh, prime prospect. As is Greg Newsom from Northwestern. That's a player that I think a lot of us are familiar with. That's a name I actually knew before I started doing research on some corners today. Some people want the Packers to draft the corner. Some just get a free agent. Just get a free agent. I don't want to. I don't want a project. I want someone who can help right now. Patrick Peterson is the name that people talk about, and Richard Sherman. I think those are pipe dreams. A.J. Boye might actually be realistic. It wouldn't need to be a huge-name cornerback. They don't need it to get the white whale. They don't need to trade for Xavier Howard or Stephon Gilmore or sign somebody expensive like Richard Sherman will assumedly be. They don't need a huge-name corner, but a, a mid-level corner, and I, I think there are going to be a lot of players available— due to cap constraints that wouldn't be available in a normal year. So the Packers hopefully can take advantage of that. And I get it. No one wants to go back to drafting cornerbacks in the first and second round every year. I get it. I understand that. But I don't think the Packers are going to spend $1 in free agency on a cornerback. They might not spend any dollars at all. I know know many of you cringe at the idea of going back to drafting corners. I don't want to go back to drafting corners. Well, guess what? We need to we, we need to. If I was a general manager, I would draft a cornerback in one of the top four or five rounds every year. Every year. Every year. I don't care what the roster looks like. I'm taking a corner or a safety in one of the first five rounds every season. Because cornerback is a depth position. And a general manager is never finished, quote-unquote, with the secondary. I think Packers fans, we fell into this trap. It's like, well, we have Jair and Kevin King. We're set, baby. Never have to draft a corner again. Well, No, that's not how it works because free agency exists and injuries exist and bad games exist like Kevin King and Chandon Sullivan had in the NFC championship game. What if Jair would have, I don't know, what if he got turf toe? Or what if he broke a toenail in his cleat and had to sit out for a quarter? Packers would have been screwed. Against the Buccaneers. So this idea that, okay, we'll we'll draft a couple of corners and then we're done and we wash our hands of that position. That's not how it works. Because then before too long, you're starting over from square one. And you can add to a secondary on the fly. You can draft a second cornerback or a third cornerback. And you can win and, and you can have a good defense that way. If you're starting from square one, you're in a bad place. That's what the Vikings had to do this last spring and it was, it was tough sledding, especially early in the season for them. That's what the Packers have had to do at times the last couple of years, and it has always gone bad, not just for reasons in the secondary, but all over the defense, because they just... It got away from him at the end, especially at the end of Ted Thompson's tenure. You're never done drafting cornerbacks. If I was a GM, I'd take a corner in the top four or five rounds every year. It's never a position you're finished with, and Packers fans should know now, it's not good enough to have one elite corner. It's, it's great. I love the Jair's on the Packers. He's one of my favorite players. But if, if, if they don't have anything on the other side of the field, if the other side of the field is a fire drill, well, then what you're going to end up with is a super expensive player on one side, and it's not going to make a darn bit of difference to your defense because you're going to give up yards anyways. See the NFC Championship game. It's a perfect example. And let's talk about the NFC Championship game. L- look at what the Buccaneers have done in the last three or four years. In 2020, a year ago in the draft, they took Antoine Winfield Jr., a safety, in the second round. Guy, he can move around, do all sorts of things. Playmaker. Was really important for them down the stretch. Two years ago, in 2019, they took Sean Murphy bunting in the second round and Jamel Dean in the third round. Despite taking two cornerbacks the previous year, they took MJ Stewart and Carlton Davis. They just put resources and resources and resources into the secondary. And the Packers aren't in a spot where they need to draft two cornerbacks for the next three drafts but if I was in charge I would take one every year and I would take one from the first round to the fourth or the fifth round wherever you can get good value because it's not enough to just get Jair and Kevin King and then to find the Chandon Sullivans of the world and draft guys in the seventh round and hope you get value no it's a position that needs maintenance And once there's one hole, and that unit starts leaking, it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse, and it decays, and now you're starting from scratch. Do what the Buccaneers did. There are seven rounds, and the Packers, I would assume, are going to accumulate some clip full of compensatory picks. So they're probably going to have extra draft picks this year, and they might trade back in the first round. They might get more. You need to consistently be using a good pick, not a premium, not first, second round, but first to fourth or fifth, Wherever you can find a corner at good value, you need to take him because you're not going to hit on them all. Ask the Vikings. I don't know if Jeff Gladney's any good, but they took him and he's an important part of that secondary. We'll see with Cam Dantzler or uh, Troy Hill. Is that the name of the other corner? I'm sorry if I have that wrong, Vikings fans, or maybe I'm, maybe that name's coming from somewhere else, but the Vikings have been drafting corners. They've done that under Zimmer and they don't all pan out. And that's not all picks pan out. For example, with the Bucks, I mentioned in 2018, they took MJ Stewart. He didn't pan out, but Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean and Antoine Winfield Jr. all did. If I'm a GM, I'm taking a corner from the first round to the fifth round every year because it's a position you just keep feeding. You feed and you feed and you feed and you're going to miss on some and that's okay because you miss on players at every position. I think of, while we're on the subject, I think of the offensive line and the defensive line as the same. I want what I expect to be a a, a good, decent defensive lineman every year. I'm taking one somewhere from the first to the fifth round, probably with offensive line as well. And the Packers normally do that. But there are these certain positions that you just need to keep feeding. You just keep shoveling coal into the fire. And they need to do that with the cornerback position. Every year, you're drafting one every single year. And then you end up with a surplus and you can absorb injuries and you can get creative with game plans. It just, doesn't that sound amazing? Packers are a couple of years away. But the cornerback the position is not one that you make two moves and you're done. That's not how you build a strong secondary. It's not draft Jair Alexander and trade for Stefan Gilmore. That's a good start, but you need depth and you need a future for when those guys get paid or when they come due as free agents. Essentially, how the Packers feel about quarterbacks for some reason... That's how they should feel about cornerbacks. Brian Gutekinds is like, well, we've always prided ourselves in occasionally drafting a quarterback and developing them. How about you develop players that'll actually help you? Like maybe Jordan Love turns out to be a great player one day. And that's great. That'd be awesome. And I'm not cheering against that. I hope the best for Jordan Love. But I hope the best for my Packers. And I wish that Brian Gudekinst would put the same amount of energy into developing players at other positions compared to what he puts into quarterbacks for some reason some reason that's my piece if I was a GM I'm taking a corner high every year and you just keep feeding them into your defense you're not going to hit on them all that's fine you're going to fail GMs are going to fail but that doesn't mean that you ditch your process the process needs to be good you prioritize certain positions maybe some more than others depending on the draft and depending on the construction of your team and if you miss on those picks that doesn't mean you completely throw it out the window and try something different next year no Always draft corners. Always draft line. Keep feeding those positions so you have depth and you have options. And you can afford to let guys walk in free agency. That's where the Packers need to get, and it starts this draft. Got to hit a couple of picks, and then the next year, and the next year, and the next year. Let's take a break. I got nothing planned. Is there anything you'd like to talk about for the last 10 minutes? If so, text me, 608-796-2558. Otherwise, we'll wrap up our Packers conversation, mention the Brewers game, and probably put a nice bow on our brad davison chat for the day as well final segment of the wisco sports show coming up
1: this is the wisco sports show with grant bills on the wisconsin sports zone radio network
0: Sports show rolling on, final segment. Uh, something interesting over the break, Adam Schefter tweets out that the Cowboys and Dak Prescott have a deal. Which I don't particularly care about, but good for Dak Prescott and good for the Cowboys for actually making a good decision for once. Imagine okay, one word on this deal. Imagine being a franchise that pays Ezekiel Elliott all of the money. And then also paying Jalen Smith all of the money and then not wanting to pay your quarterback all the money. Think about that for a sec. Dak Prescott isn't amazing. He's not Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes. But what's the NFC right now in terms of quarterbacks? Russell Wilson, who wants out. Aaron Rodgers and a 30... How old is, how old is Tom Brady? 42, 43? That, that, those are the quarterbacks in the NFC. Yes, Dak Prescott is good enough to get a contract. God, Dallas. Glad it took so long, though. A lot of hours of SportsCenter wasted away on uh, on that contract extension. My name is Grant Bills. That's all we'll say about the Cowboys. This is not the Dallas sports show. Nor do I want it to be. We're talking a little Packers, and we're wrapping up the show here in the next couple of minutes. If you have a text, anything you want to add, uh, go to town. Hit me up, 608-796-2558, or tweet at me, at WiscoGrant. And if not, you know what? I'm perfectly capable of hosting a radio show without uh, reading you know, tweets and texts every 10 seconds. So that's fine too. We just finished a conversation about the the upcoming Packers draft. And I think one of the most important positions for the Packers to get a handle on right now, it's the cornerback position. Who's with Jair Alexander? Who's, Who's playing next to Jair Alexander? And fans have lots of differing opinions on how to best figure that out. A lot of fans want a free agency signing. And I know the big names are Patrick Peterson and Richard Sherman and you know, A.J. Boye, I think, is a more realistic name that actually I think the Packers might be into. I, th- I think they would entertain the idea of really moving mountains to get A.J. Boye because I think he'd fit really well. would be a good replacement for Kevin King. But I think much more realistically, we're looking at a couple of cornerbacks being taken in this upcoming draft. My point being, the Packers should be drafting corners anyway. Like, you should take a corner every year. My argument, if I was a general manager, I would take a corner every draft In between round one and round five, somewhere in there, I'm taking a corner. Basically, a quality pick. At some point in the draft, I'm taking a corner. Not talking sixth or seventh round, and I'm not mandating that it be in the first or the second round, but first, second, third, fourth, or fifth, a cornerback is being drafted, at least one, every draft, because it's a depth position. People become free agents. Corners get hurt right? Things happen. You need depth. You need depth at that position, because what, what do we see in the NFC Championship game? We saw Tom Brady survey the defense and think, okay, well, I'm not throwing to Jair, even though he tried twice and embarrassed himself, old man. He went to the other side. He's like, where's Shannon Sullivan? I'll go at him. Where's Kevin King? I'll go at him. And that's something the Packers need to clean up. Otherwise, they're going to end up paying a bunch of money to Jair, and it's not really going to get their defense anywhere. You draft a corner every year. The Vikings have been doing a good job with this. Cameron Dansler, who I think is going to be a good player. They uh, they drafted Jeff Gladney. There's another one that I'm forgetting. I don't think their name is Troy Hill, but it could be. But that Troy Hill also sounds like someone who plays for the Rams. So I'm wrong, but you get my point. Right? The Vikings, every year, much to the frustration of Vikings fans, Zimmer wants a corner every year. The Buccaneers are a great example. They took Antoine Winfield Jr. in 2020, who I get as a safety, but it's still a member of the secondary. The year before, they took Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean. The year before that, they took MJ Stewart and Carlton Davis. You just keep just keep investing. Invest, 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 invest. And you'll, what you'll end up with is a healthy secondary with lots of options for a defensive coordinator to move around. And you're going to end up with playmakers. Like, not every corner is a playmaker. Not every safety is a playmaker. Some guys are just good in coverage. Right? Jair, for everything that he's great at in limited opportunities to force turnovers, actually hasn't been great the last two years. But a guy like Antoine Winfield Jr., seemingly just creates big plays or Sean Murphy bunting just creates big plays. And you, you find players like that when you draft multiple players, like I'm going to take a corner this year and a safety, I'm going to take a corner and another safety next year. And I'm just, you're never satisfied. You never stop. There are certain positions where you can stop right there, there. You reach a point where you have enough running backs and you no longer need to draft one. You reach a point, in my opinion, where you have enough wide receivers. Now, I think that benchmark is, is quite above where the Packers are now. If I was the GM of the Packers, I'd want another two good options. I'd want a slot guy, and I'd want somebody who's really fast to run with MVS and with Devontae Adams. But I think there is a point you can reach with wide receivers where you're like, you know what, we're good. We can take this draft off, which was not the case with the Packers last year. But you get my point. There's certain positions where you, you're never done. Offensive line, you're always investing. Defensive line, you should always be investing. And corner, always, always draft a corner. And I know so many Packers fans groan at that idea because we don't want to go back to the days of Quentin Rollins and Demarius Randall and trying this guy and drafting this guy. We were happy for like two years to be done drafting corners at the top of the draft. But the thing is, you never have to take corners at the top of the draft if you don't want to, if you simply maintain year to year. It doesn't have to be first round picks. You you find your guys. You have Jair. Okay, let's say they take another guy in the first or second round this year. And then you follow that up with another in the fourth round. Now you get a group to work with. And next year, you can take one in the third or the fourth or the fifth. And you're always working on depth. Always. Right? That's, That's what the Packers should strive for. That's what they should be aiming for. If I was a GM, that's what I'd do. But then again, I'd probably do a lot of stupid things that would sink the Packers. Tomorrow. I want to talk Badgers at some point this week with Zach Heilprin. Maybe that'll be tomorrow. He's typically very good about coming on last minute because I always ask him last minute. So, Zach, hopefully at some point this week, more Badgers, more Brad Davison and tournament previewing and more Packers too. Wisco Sports Show. Talk to you tomorrow.